Welcome back to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. This is Jess. I'm Mikey. All right. So last week we promised you that we were going to find out who killed Laura Palmer this oh, week. Oh, we did? Do we actually say it? I believe so. I was just thinking, like, I just forgot about, I mean, and this is very much a segue episode. I just, I got a little overzealous. Yeah, so we got our shipment of Pursued by Bear Wine in. We opened mm-hmm. the bottle. We sat down to watch this episode. And, and literally, like, the, the very, first frame. The first frame, I went, oh, shit. Because <laughs> I knew it wasn't it. Um, so, anyway. But this 2016 Bear Cub mm-hmm. by Pursued by Wine. You can't say Pursued by Wine. <laughs> Never gonna get this sponsored if I keep uh, Pursued by Bear. It's a Bear Why? Cub red blend. It's very good. I like it a lot. Yes. Um, went really well with our Chili's dinner. I think as it was. We opened it up after dinner. Yeah, no, that's true. Pretend. I know better. Uh, <laughs> so, um, all right. Let's jump in. Yeah. yeah. Um, so first we're going to start with the log lady intro, which Mikey and I both clocked that she was like chewing, presumably pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, neither of us was positive that she's never done it before, but yeah, we both recall. noticed it this yeah, time around. Yeah, she was chewing pretty dramatically. In this Very time. dramatically. Uh, her uh, speech is as follows. Sometimes we want to hide from ourselves. We do not want to be us. It is too difficult to be us. It is at these times that we turn to drugs and alcohol or behavior to forget that we are ourselves. Amen, sister. This is, of course, only a temporary solution to a problem which is going to keep returning. And sometimes these temporary solutions are worse for for us than the original problems. Yes, it is a dilemma. Is there an answer? Of course there is. A wise person once said with a smile, the answer is within the question. Does that mean anything to you? I mean, yeah. It's <laughs> pretty obvious, but I don't oh. know about the Oh, answers obvious, is the, it? I mean, it's it's the like like you it's hard to face reality. It's mm-hmm. hard to you try to find things to make things better. There's you know, duality in everybody mm-hmm. and all this, but then claims that there's very specifically an answer but then doesn't give you anything resembling an answer <laughs> right. whatsoever. So the answer is within the question. Nice. I mean, I guess it's just embrace that, mm-hmm. acknowledge it, understand it. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, at the end of the last episode, Harold did his very dramatic cline of the face with the tool we still don't know the name of. Yes. Yeah. Cultivator, I think. Cultivator, yeah. I had segregator in my head, and I was so sure that wasn't it. Should've but just it just kept quiet. <laughs> Um, so Donna and Maddie are like cowering as Harold goes fucking bonkers on them. Um, he tells Donna that she lies and portrays just like everyone, just like all everyone else. Come on, TwinPeaks.Fandom.com. Um, he's about to stab Donna with the... Maybe it's like a, you all, everybody. <laughs> we cannot keep tying this back to Lost. Good. Um, he's about to stab Donna with the cultivator? Okay, when James bursts in and pulls them out. Uh, Harold holds on to the diary. James says he will go to the police. 
Um, okay, so we are cutting back to... So I noticed they did... Uh, we're back at the book house, which is the gang's headquarters, I guess. There was a lot of... Like, there was like 12 uh, motorcycles parked mm-hmm. out front. Why? Why? Because it's... The book house is right next door to the roadhouse. Oh. And I think it's just overflow. And, and it's like... Oh, what's it? I just forgot his name. The Paul... Uh, Paul... Giamatti. Paulson. Sarah Paulson. No, the what? It, the g- kid. The kid who's in that scene. The kid. The blonde-haired gay kid. Oh, I don't know. Mike. Mark. Mitch. Is it an M name? Are you helping? Unclear. Um, Joey Paulson. Whew. Um, he's he's a biker. Like, it's all just part of that. It's, it's uh-huh. out, it always has motorcycles out front, and I think it's just spillover from the roadhouse. Gotcha. Uh, Cooper carries Audrey into the book house and lays her down. He finds evidence that she's been drugged with heroin. Uh, she mumbles in her delirium about her throat hurting and about sinking. What they don't have in this is uh, she calls for her father or says... She says daddy. Daddy a couple yeah. times. Um, Which... I don't think she's calling for her father. I think she's outing her father. Yeah, yes. Um, she regains lucidity and tells Cooper that she had prayed for him to come. All right, so back to yeah, like this. It's a this episode. I what I like about this episode is that it starts at the bottom and gradually gets better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's the by the end of this, you're like, oh, that was a really good episode. Yeah, and it's because they front loaded all the dumb stuff. Yeah, early like. Like, they get out of Harold's place, and then they're just, like, chilling on the street in front mm-hmm. of his house. Well, he can't get them there. And, and again, he's, like, it's James in, like, just a flannel shirt in February in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. Like, no, nah, dude, it's much colder than that. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, at times they don't even pretend they're not in California, which is a little <laughs> annoying. Yeah. But, um. So Donna and James watch Maddie drive off. James says that he and Donna should stick together, and that way they will be safe forever. In love. While the you and I fucking song plays in the background. Mm-hmm. Like Leslie Linklater loves the music cues. Like mm-hmm. she's very much like, what songs do I got to use? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna plug them all in. Yep. Um, back to the. She by yeah. By the way, this is a. Oh yeah. Leslie Linkagladder directed episode written, written by, by Peyton Harley Payton. Yeah, Harley Payton and Robert Engels. Uh, originally aired on November third, nineteen ninety. Um, Harry uh, back at the bookhouse. Uh, Harry thumbs through a book of criminal photos, and Cooper tells him that Audrey is very close to a lethal, lethal dose of heroin. Which I know this is like picky, but like, There's no how way does to he tell know that? that? <laughs> There's yeah, and until you unless you did a blood test, right? Also. The lethal limp, like, you can tell she was barely hanging on and her vitals were whatever. That's potentially seeable. But, like, you, there's no, there's no specific, like, this much is a lethal dose. It depends on who you are and any tolerances and any, you know, your size, weight, what you ate. Like, also, any number of things come into play with, like, the tiniest amount of heroin could kill somebody instantly Mm -hmm. if... The, the circumstances, circumstances are right. Yeah. So, it, like, they're just upping stakes, but we got that. We got that she right. was 
She's ill. Yeah. Um, Harry identified Jean Renault in yes. the... Dottie! Our dog has been making so much fucking noise lately, and it's really driving us both up a tree. She used to be very quiet, remember? Yeah. It's almost like this whole pandemic and quarantine broke everyone, mm-hmm. including animals. Yep. Uh, so forgive us if our dog just is whining she just and likes, wondering. She's got a lot to add. There's, she's <laughs> she a big loves fan. this episode. Yeah, she so. likes Leslie Linklater a lot. She likes mm-hmm. a strong, uh, strong female director. Um, so Harry identified Jean Renault in the book, a book of criminal photos, and tells Cooper about the surveillance tape, which um, he saw in the office at One Eye Jacks. There was a surveillance tape of Cooper playing Blackjack the, the mm-hmm. first time they had gone there. Um, and Cooper deduces Jean's plot. Um, Cooper said that he left his jur- jurisdiction twice, and now Audrey is paying the price. Cool rhyme. Harry re- reassures them that Audrey is safe now and tells Cooper that he is the best lawman he's ever met, but, but he thinks too much. Which, I don't know a lot about being a cop, but I think thinking too much is not I, necessarily the problem our police I, force yeah. has currently. Uh, well, yeah. That's a whole other thing. But I get what he's saying, but I, I think you think too much isn't the right thing to say. It's, you might be the best lawman I know, but you can get, you, you spiral into your own head, or you, mm. like, he's saying, like, sometimes you need to let things go. Mm-hmm everything turned out okay and that's not thinking too much right that's a yes there's an element of thinking too much but like you need to think a lot to be a good detective um so cooper meets ben horn uh in the hotel dining room with the brief briefcase of money um he reports that audrey was at one eyed jacks this is a great little scene that black blackie was murdered by jean renault and that audrey's recovering from a drug overdose Ben hugs and thanks Cooper. Yeah, and so he, you know, I was able to rescue your daughter without, and and without turning over the money or whatever. And he's like Ben's just like stroking the briefcase mm-hmm. immediately, like, "Well, everything seems to be in order." Yeah, like no problems here. Yeah, you haven't even asked where Audrey is. How is she? Is. How is she do like anything? Right. Like it's hey, I got my money. This is awesome. Right. And just the way Cooper's looking at him the entire time is just so, who, what's, mm-hmm. what the fuck is wrong with you, yeah. dude? Like, how, how involved in this are you? Like, mm-hmm. this ain't right. Do you care? It, not even like, do you care? But like, I'm suspecting you of some shady shit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um. So Ben hugs Thanks, Cooper. Okay, uh, back to we're cutting to Bobby and Shelley's place. I guess that's their place now. It's the Johnsons residence. It's yeah, it's Shelley's place, but Bobby's more or less living there. Yeah. Um. So if we remember, Leo is Shelley's abusive husband who is currently in a more or less vegetative state. It's a vegetable. It's a little my blue heaven. Oh my there. god, that's a that that's not a reference if nobody knows it. Arugula. <laughs> It's a vegetable. Ay, ay, ay. So Bobby pushes Leo in through the kitchen. And A, I think the wheelchair that Leo is in is literally the one that FDR used. Like, it is 
so fucking old. Yeah. It's like a wicker back. There's no handles on it. So he's just like pushing from the top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's very tall. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't want his head to fall back. So it's got to be tall. Sure. Yeah, that's why wheelchairs are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Anyway. Wicker is very important wheelchairs. <laughs> um, and he's just like jamming him in through the door frame. It's so uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. to watch. Like just on behalf of the actor who plays Leo. Like, oh man, that guy has bruised knees. Um, Tom Brockman, didn't know that was his name, uh, the insurance agent congratulates Bobby and Shelly on their dedication to Leo. Um, Shelly Nobody signed, congratulates him on his excellent plaid jacket. It, there was a lot of colors in this scene, because Leo is in a bright red yeah. shirt. Bobby's the only one who's kind of toned down. Yeah. Shelly has a plaid jacket on also, so mm-hmm. the two of them next to each other is just insane. Uh-huh. Um, and then... And then it's weird because it's it's reverse two shots of Bobby and Leo and what's his name? I don't know. Tom Brockman. Tom, Brock, Tom Kent, Brokaw and <laughs> or Kent Shelley, yeah, Shelley <laughs> next to each other and they're reverse two shots and <laughs> the Bobby and Leo stuff is like Bobby's wearing a plain tie. He's got like a light blue shirt and a plain color jacket. Yeah. Leo's just got a plain red shirt on and then the other one is like let me give you every, like every time they cut back it's like let me give you every pattern ever it's this pl- crazy tie I heard you like patterns here's all yeah. the patterns but then like the counter of the two I almost wonder if she's trying to say something with that but what? I don't know <laughs> like this is calm and cool and this is crazy on this side I don't know but it's weird it's just like it's it's overwhelming on one side yeah. and then the, the, the lack of pattern it's- and ease is almost soothing but maybe just like Bobby and Leo don't care as much they're not as invested it's the other side is frantic I don't know but it's or something is trying to be said there can I offer a counterpoint I suppose everybody just showed up on set wearing what they were wearing (laughs) and Leslie Lincolnglatter was like perfect thanks Tom Brokaw Okay, um, so Shelly signs the agreement. Um, the agent gives them her f- their first check, which is much smaller than Bobby had planned for. I don't remember. It was supposed to be five grand. They were expecting five grand a month, mm-hmm. and the check was for seven hundred dollars. Okay, presumably they'll get a check monthly. Right, uh, and so they both kind of panic. Um, Shelly had quit her job. She's worried. About, she know, said she had to quit her. Yeah. Or she has to, or she already had. She had to quit. Her oh, job. okay. Um, so. Yeah, and it's it's such a good. I really really enjoyed this scene, not just because of the fashion choices, but like Tom Brockman is so effusive with like home care is the best. You're yeah. so brave. You're the real heroes, and they're like, yeah, we sure are. And meanwhile, they're just like, fuck this, dude. Oh, I want you to know how much I admire you kids standing by Mr. Johnson, not taking the easy way out. Most people would just chip him off. Yeah, well. Leo's sort of special to us both. Believe you me, in-home care is the stuff of miracles. Mr. Johnson should benefit tremendously from being here among his loved ones. Oh, we certainly hope so. Mm. Will you be hiring full or part-time help? Um, Cousin Bobby and I will be here full-time. just admire your dedication it's just such a good i mean it's very over the top but it's a very good dichotomy of like oh my god you guys are Mm -hmm. so brave 
And then as soon as there's any roadblock, he's just weaseling his way out. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this isn't, I think there's a mistake. This is, oh, with the Secretary fees, I'll see myself out. He does say, I'll see myself out, which is a thing that I don't get to say enough in my life. Stay fresh, cheese bag. Okay, so now we're back at the station house. Donna tells Harry about Laura's secret diary. Um, which he sort of pokes holes in. I gotta be Team Harry on this because he's like, "Did you read it?" And she's like, "No, he read it to me." Like, how do you know it's a secret diary? It's not her handwriting. Yeah, and it's which I I get. And but he's I mean he's apprehensive because Donna keeps coming. Like they keep hatching these schemes. Right. To like. He said last so, time we like, did this, um, yeah. Jacoby ended up in the hospital. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. Like, if we're um, meant to find it out, and, and whatever's in that diary, we might not even be important. Like Right. And that said, like, I feel like when you are a small town sheriff and solving a murder, you know, you can go check it out and just see. And he might. It's just, let's also take the, do the due diligence of right. vetting the source of this. Right. Because I don't want to go pounding on some guy's door that you're just mad at. Right. You know what I mean? Harry words her that she's like the boy who cried wolf. Exactly. Um, okay. Enter my personal favorite mm-hmm. character in all of Twin Peaks, except for maybe Special Agent Dale Cooper, Gordon Cole. Excuse me, I'm looking for a Sheriff Harry S. Truman. You found him. Sheriff. Excuse Please. me, I'm looking for a Sheriff Harry S. Truman. That's me. Federal Bureau of Investigation, Regional Bureau Chief Gordon Cole. That's a real mouthful, but I can't hear myself anyway. I'm Agent Cooper's supervisor. Well, pleasure to meet you. Can I speak with you a moment? Sure. And who did you say you were? I'm Sheriff Truman. Great. Pay dirt. You'll have to speak up, Sheriff. Hearing's gone. Long story. Got these things cranked up to the max. Are you looking for Agent Cooper? When an agent goes down in the field, I jump right up and pay a visit. Agent Cooper's not here right now. Albert Rosenfield will not be coming back, but I've got his lab report right here. Item, a Vicuna coat. Albert found fibers in the hall outside of Cooper's room from a Vicuna coat. Coat with Vicuna. Sounds real good, Sheriff, but I already ate. Um, He's fun. Gordon Cole is played by our very own... Fearless leader. Fearless leader... Tom Cruise. Yep, Tom Cruise. You got it. You got it as usual. Um, no, he's played by David Lynch. D-K-L. In a truly wild, which I have to think in my heart this was Lynch's choice. Yeah. That I he was, plays a hard of hearing guy. I was just thinking about that because I don't, I assume it would have had to have been mentioned in something I read or listened to or watched or whatever, but I don't recall where that choice came from to make him hard of hearing. Yeah, so it says sometime around 19... This is in the the link to his character. Sometime around 1969, as a result of an incident, he would only explain as, quote, a long story. Cole, was suffer- Cole suffered severe and permanent hearing loss requiring to wear two hearing aid- aids at maximum volume. Um. Yeah, that's just his biography. Yeah, I but I don't know who made that. Right, right. I'm, I'm just skimming through to see that. if they do any. Anyway, um, 
If we find it, we'll link it. Yeah. Uh, but but it's, it's great. It's, so it, he's just yelling. It so leans into, like, to David Lynch's natural weirdness. Yeah. And, like, he's it's, just sort of an off-putting dude. It makes it for an exaggeration of himself, mm-hmm. which is his entire character. is just, I talk with this weird, you know? Yeah. And then if I do it really loud, it's... Now it's, it's a character. Yeah, it's, it's great. <laughs> but it, it it's just entertaining. It adds this... It also adds a perfect vehicle for comedy in a serious situation. Mm-hmm. So you can have somebody deliver some horrible news mm-hmm. and he'll misunderstand it and and repeat back something wrong. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's it allows for that opportunity, which I think is great. Right. Um so he comes and he does like and it's such it's like vaudevillian humor almost of like uh wish you guys can use my office you should ask the sheriff we yeah. can use his office like it's yes it is like very or, childlike oh, we, humor but it's funny we found it, the 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 fibers were from a vicuna coat and he's like a vicuna He's like, yeah, no, I just ate. Thank you. It sounds great, but I just ate. And, like, it makes you wonder, like, there's a few of those moments. What did he hear? Like, did you, did he think he offered him tuna? Like, I don't know. Like, what is, what? Okay. All right. And, And then they just, the best is he always drops the joke and then there's never a, like, no, 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 I said, like, They're, it just, just move on. Just which, move on. It's fine. To me rings very true of, like, how people I know treat the elderly if they, like, yeah. get something wrong. Like, just move on. We don't need to move get into this. Move on. Yeah. Um, so Gordon delivers, uh, so he's uh, Cooper's supervisor. Mm-hmm. Um, Gordon delivers Albert's reports. He notes that Albert is not coming back to Twin Peaks. I don't remember if that holds true in this season. He comes back. Okay. Um, but he's not coming back with his results. Okay. Um, the hair from outside Cooper's room was from a Vicuna coat, which I did look up while we were talking, and it is a one of two wild South American camelids. They're like, it looks like a little alpaca alpaca slash deer thing Mm -hmm. it's very cute um so where was i it was just important for me to tell you guys how cute that animal is okay vicuna coat um the drug from gerald's gerard's philip gerard yeah Yeah. philip gerard's syringe was unique and he said it was a compound of yeah a mixture of things um and the papers something he'd never seen but like he he Albert deduced that it was a, a series of, it was a compound of several drugs and it's something he had never seen before, but heavy, heavy stuff. Right. Um, the papers from near the train track uh, were from a diary. And then Hawk enters, <laughs> dragging Gerard, who is taken to Harry's office. There's the one armor now. He calls him the one armor, which like I feel like is probably offensive. But, but like, also but it comes from this guy yeah. who's just so like that's fine. <laughs> uh, all right, so back to wherever Audrey is at this point. Uh, ben visits she's still in the bookhouse. When Ben visits, Ben knows where the bookhouse is. They brought him in. Yeah, oh. it's just she's still on that cot in the book in the bookhouse. Okay, Ben visits Audrey and she rebuffs his words of comfort. She ac- she asks for Cooper to take her home, but Ben suggests that they all go together. Um, Which is 
him trying to protect himself. Yes, for he, sure. Like it's especially she doesn't want Cooper and Audrey alone together because he doesn't want Audrey to rat him out. Mm-hmm. At least before he can like work on a deal with her or something. Right. But she knows who he is and his involvement in One Eye Jacks and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and doesn't want that information outed. So right. why don't we all go together? Mm-hmm. Um, then we go back to Big Ed and Nadine's house, where mm-hmm. Nadine probably comes back home with it's Ed, so dumb. But with I Ed, love this scene, I love. She has There's things in this sequence that I love. She has some bags. She asks when her parents will be back from Europe. And Ed, on the ball as always, goes, real soon? soon. <laughs> oh, um, uh, real soon. Hey, Ed, when do my parents get back from Europe anyway? Well, uh, pretty soon. <laughs> and he's wearing, like, this silly, like, frilly apron. Which, it's not even, like, a utilitarian apron. It covers, <laughs> like, the upper part of his thighs and, like, his penis yeah. area. And that's sort of it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's great, and he just sits there like uh, eyebrows. He's rough, so like, just, out of his depth. It's so good. Um, and I really liked the part when she was like, "Oh, we should. Oh, we can pretend. Isn't it neat to have our house to ourselves? We can pretend we're married." Oh yeah, that, yeah oh, let's oh, do that. Oh. And he's all like, "Ooh, ooh, ooh, let's do that. Let's do like." And then she's like, "Oh, we can drive to such and such place and neck." And then she's like, "We don't have to drive anywhere and neck," which and she I just, like. He pushes him on the couch, and then she does that, like, spider monkey leap where she's, like, (laughs) Like, knees next to him. And then her, like, he fits right in, like, the hook of her, like, knee, like, graduate style. Mm -hmm. It's like like you take the shot from the graduate and then, like, put them on top of each other. (laughs) Um, So she not so subtly hints that they should have sex. Woo. Um, okay, we cut to... Now, she also punches him in that scene. She does right punch him right in the tummy, which is... I don't remember what the context was, but it was like, oh, you kidder. And I was like, I don't know, like, maybe a hit on the arm you would do when you're like, ah, shucks, or whatever. But she just, like, fucking belts him right in the gut. Yeah. Not cool. Um, okay, next shot. <laughs> I love oh, bless his heart. Next shot is somebody's tummy. Uh, we see Jonathan getting dressed, um, and he tells Josie that they're leaving that night. So I don't remember the, who Jonathan is. I understand what he represents, but what is their relationship to each other? Or do I care? I mean, I, I don't know if they're anything more than just lovers slash partners in Hong Kong. Okay. And he's involved in more yada, 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 scheming <laughs> shit. Um, but he's getting trying to get her back to hong kong yeah um josie argues that she needs to be paid from the insurance money and by ed horn but jonathan says ed horn. no there's no ed horn i think i said ben can you just the the recording will will show i'm gonna cut all this out <laughs> is it gonna like voice over when you get to that part and she's like she goes back to ben, ben horn. <laughs> Josie argues Ben, not Ed Horn. (laughs) Josie argues that she needs to be paid from the insurance money and buy Ben Horn. But Jonathan says he will kill Harry if she does not leave that night. Maddie looks over the lake, sitting next to James. In the sunniest summer day in Twin Peaks has ever had. In February. He apologizes for the romantic confusion. It's probably early March at this point, I think. This is two weeks in, and when did he roll into town? 24th yeah so this is early march sorry oh my we're god we're getting into springtime so it may it may everything tracks now 
Um, he apologizes for the romantic confusion. Maddie says that she liked it that James was confusing her to Laura. This scene is weird. <sighs> yeah, I'm not crazy like, about it. They're setting up that Maddie's leaving, uh-huh. which Shirley is great in the scene. And actually, James is pretty good. I thought he was good in this, in this scene, too. It's just so. I don't even know. It's just this whole scene just is like lumped in the middle of this episode yeah. in a way that it doesn't it doesn't match in like content, in aesthetic, in like feel, in the look of it. Everything just stands out in this scene. Like she's like wearing bright pink. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also like as if like the writers or whatever feel like we really need to put a bow on this love triangle. Whereas yeah. like as soon as that happened I stopped caring. Yeah, maybe. Um so and she says that he and Donna belong together and she's going home the next day. She does this whole thing about it makes me pretty uncomfortable about how like they had like the, the they had like a psychic connection when they were young. But then she was like, now that she's gone, I got to be her. And everybody was... And it was like, I didn't quite... I didn't quite get it because I don't think it was earned in the way of like... Sure, we we see Laura Palmer as the the homecoming queen um, and all that. But we don't necessarily see Maddie as like... Besides wearing glasses, she's a perfectly competent, popular person. She comes into town and is, you know, everyone's taken aback by how much she looks like Laura. But that's it. Yeah. They never really dive into, like, it outside does, of, like, oh, I knew about this secret place where she hid cigarettes in her bedpost. Right. Like, they don't ever dive into who they were when they were kids. And right. I wish they did. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's the end of that scene. Uh, we go back to the Great Northern, Ben's office, where uh, Ben hands Josie a glass of wine. Uh, and she says she will not leave the office without her money. They, they do to fire. To fire. <laughs> Did you really need to swirl before you took that? Sound? No, I was letting it ring out into the mic so everyone could hear. Oh, I thought you were swirling your. Mm-hmm. Wow. Poof. Um, ben threatens her with his secret file on her late husband's demise. So is the implication that she... Your eyes are doing a thing that makes me think you don't know. Keep going. I probably... Is the implication that she killed her husband? I don't recall. I think... No. Okay. I... But there was foul play. I don't know. Or she... I Honestly, I've never... There's something about Josie that I just just tune out. gloss over. Mm-hmm. Like I cuz all of it is like this two-handed back backstabbing and uh-huh. playing everybody. Do you mean two-faced instead of two-handed? Backhanded and two-faced. It's a <laughs> it's when you don't have time, you say two-handed. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a thing. Uh, everyone knows about it. It's fine. Um no, I just because all of it, nothing really matters to anything. Yeah, it really is a separate and alone piece yeah. of this. If you lump, that's why, I, like, all of the mill stuff, if you lump it in together, I don't know, it just, or it matters to, it, to some plot line that I just don't care about. Yeah, it could be. And I'm trying to think if there's any other, pl- no, that's not, I was going to say there's no other plot line that doesn't even remotely tie back to Laura Palmer, but that's. 
not true. Like the Nadine story has nothing to do with anything. Yeah, it's just. Much. I mean, but maybe from the first season, it's the only subplot that like doesn't directly tie it back to sure. Cooper or Laura Palmer. So it just feels tacked on. Yeah, I mean, like to have a sense of intrigue. Except and, that Ben Horn is involved and. Ben Horn is directly involved with Laura and One Eye Jacks and all that kind of stuff. Like, there's, it's a few degrees removed, but mm-hmm. it's, yeah, I don't. It's. I will say that this uh, kind of tête-à-tête that she has, that Josie has with Ben, I really like how it wraps up. That he's like, and I'm gonna bury you. I'm gonna drop it in here. Josie, this key. <clears throat> unlocks my personal hotel safe. Now, in that safe, I have put together a fascinating dossier on you, my dear, and your late husband, Andrew's little boat that went boom. So, you behave yourself, lady, or believe me when I say that, I will bury you. That's a shame. Because if anything unfortunate were to happen to me, it would lead authorities to a certain safety deposit box in a bank in another city, inside of which there is enough evidence to lock you away for three lifetimes. They'll bury us side by side. And then she says, they'll bury us side by side. I loved that line yeah, delivery. Well, it was her, really like, good. Like their delivery and it's it's profile yeah. of both of them, nose to nose. And then the best thing about it is she does that and he's, wow, that's incredible. She turns the full about face uh-huh. and has this look on her face like, oh my God. <laughs> like it almost makes me wonder if she doesn't actually have any evidence on mm. him and this, her whole thing is all bullshit. Oh, maybe. Like yeah, I never thought of he, that. I I I took a I made a bluff and he fucking bought it, and yeah. then he's so he and then I think he's so impressed by it. I think that he doesn't care if, if she actually has right. evidence of any wrongdoing because she doesn't say what she has evidence mm-hmm. of. She just says I've got a safe deposit box full of evidence. Right. That'll put you away for life or whatever. Which, I mean, and the funny thing is... He knows he's involved in all sorts of shit. That's exactly what I was going to say. It doesn't matter if this is a finance... Like, if this is some type of financial fraud. Fraud on the... the books. Millhouse. Murder. Yeah. Whatever. Prostitution. yeah. Anything. Like, it doesn't matter. He's just a rich scumbag criminal. Like, he'll... You know. So, it doesn't matter what she has evidence of. And he probably doesn't want to ask... So he just buys it. And yeah. I like that. I like that sequence. Um, so he uh, signs over the check from Tokyo Bank that he got from Tajimura. Tajimura. Um, so she did what she had to do. I liked it. Um, okay. Next scene. Maybe one of the more iconic visuals in Twin Peaks that doesn't have to do with like Laura or, or Cooper is Bobby and Shelly have a party celebrating Leo's homecoming, and he is, they're all wearing party hats and using kazoos. Mm-hmm. Leo is still vegetative, has the hat on, glasses on, and a kazoo. Sunglasses, yeah. yeah, sunglasses on, and a kazoo in his mouth that it, I think I've noticed it before, but this time I was like, 
really creeped out by it because you can hear him breathing. Every once in a while, yeah, when you oh, hear him it's so it. like, that's, creepy. That's exactly why they did it. Oh, and it's and it's I, really I, quiet. I almost wonder if I get the impression that she, uh, Leslie Linkletter, originally had party fit, like wanted yeah. one of those party favors that like unfurls mm-hmm. and like have him like slowly. It starts to, sl- but. That probably takes more. It was, yeah, it took, I, my guess is that took, and I'm just pulling this out of nowhere. I haven't yeah. heard anything about this, but I get the impression that that was what she had in her head of like watching it. But you really have to like, <sighs> yeah. And she couldn't have him doing that. So the sound of a kazoo. And it's so works subtle. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it's great. And this is actually, uh, so when we went to Twin Peaks Fest in 2018, mm-hmm. I thought I had an incredible costume for mm-hmm. the, costume contest Which you can't really talk about it yet because it's in yeah season it's three. it's a season three character which is great but one of the people who won that beat me out i was okay with because he i forgot the guy's name wait there's a leo in this pastor yeah he was oh. he was this he was the party leo oh he got wheeled in by shelly oh yeah and he didn't move like mm-hmm. to like wave to everybody like everyone did and he just had the sunglasses and the hat and the streamers. Yeah. And it was perfect. Yeah. It was a really... I think the guy's name was Kenneth something. Mm-hmm. Kenneth uh, Branagh? Maybe. But he was... Hats off to that. It was a very, very good costume. Yeah. Like, they they got to town and had to, like, find a place where they could get... Because he came in... I remember talking to him about it. He came in from somewhere far, possibly international. Is one of the Swedes? Were there I don't Swedish know. people there? But he came in and had to like scour the area to find a wheelchair Mm -hmm. for this costume and it paid off it was it was very if you look at like the twin peaks fest the festival like facebook page there's probably pictures on there somewhere Mm -hmm. so while leo is being creepy and vegetative bobby and shelly kiss um but as they do leo's head drops forward and shelly screams it's the like the shot in the angle of the shot what's great about this i love this shot is so she's it's it's a pov from her place so it's a little low angle which is great but like right underneath him and because his head as his head kind of tips forward it allows light to get behind the sunglass lens mm. from because it's an overhead light it allows a little bit of light and you can see his eyeball like it doesn't just look like blank mm-hmm black lenses where you can't really see what's going on and that's yeah. cre- you can see that there's an eye and it's looking at her Ooh, and i it's creepy. it's a really really because cre- he he moves a very slight little bit uh-huh. and it's just enough to be like that fucking is it's terrifying I yeah love it. and then uh they bring in the cake and he yeah bobby gives sp- him like a tap on the shoulder and it throws <laughs> him all the way forward things thing oh we didn't light the candles <laughs> which is a great moment of them it breaks the the, the fear and, and they yeah. Right. Um, all right. So now we are back at Josie's house. Harry enters. So if you might not remember this because it doesn't happen that many times, but Harry and Josie have been in a romantic relationship for an undisclosed amount of time. Um, Harry enters her house. He finds Jonathan carrying a full load of suitcases. Um, Josie tells Harry she's leaving. Harry, tell, Harry tells her she can't leave. That he loves he says her. It's her. She says it's her assistant as well. Mm. Um, and he says he loves her and she leaves. Harry does a little bit of acting mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. in this scene. Yep. 
Um, that's it's just yeah another one of those where like I don't buy this relationship yeah and also like if we need to put a button on it it's fine it was a 45 second scene we yeah. don't need to belabor it um, okay so now we're at a restaurant don't remember where uh, Ben lights a cigar at a table with Mr. Tajimura asks why he has received who asks why he has received nothing when Ben has a cashier's this check for the, five million dollars this is the of of the, the northern oh this is great northern um, Mr. Tajimura says that he will withdraw while Ben tries to dance around the question. Tajimura says his family was at Nagasaki. Um, anything to say before we move on to... I, I mean, the Tajimura stuff, we'll, we'll probably get into more when it's revealed what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's clearly somebody in a shitload of prosthetics and mm-hmm. makeup. So it's... Who we don't know. Yeah. Do we do even if they took off the makeup? Do we know who? Yeah, it is? they're putting on all that a stuff. Voice. But it's because I think the makeup is. I don't know. It's just. Uh, well, I guess we'll talk about it more when we can. When we because I want to try to keep it relatively spoiler yeah. free. But I yeah I didn't know who it was, but I knew something was afoot, and it, the fact that nobody's acknowledging that, like, who the fuck are you? Yeah, exactly. Is a little odd. Um. Okay, and then we've gone over, we hear the sounds of a piano, and hear Leland start singing Getting to Know You from The King and I, um, which, I listen, anytime Leland sings, I am happy. I love it because he's like a perfectly mediocre singer. No, oh, he's fine. Like a, a singer who just likes singing, he doesn't have this exceptional voice, he isn't like belting these mm-hmm. tunes where you're like oh my god this is me he's just a dude who enjoys singing and he, he sings he's, fine he sounds like someone's dad who sits down and plays piano and sings and christmas sing. carols yeah. once a year yeah um <laughs> so ben excuses himself uh leland does not take the hint to stop and tajimura watches from the bar uh next to him pete, pete turns and identifies this song the king and I. It's great. <laughs> and it, you don't even see that Pete is there, and he just turns around with this snap and yeah. point. The king and I. I love it. <laughs> He's so proud of himself. Yeah. Um, and so he identifies the song. Uh, the song Leland sings is being from The King and I. As Leland and Ben exchange compliments, Pete tries hard to engage Tajimura in conversation. Yeah, asked to buy sake. How about a glass of milk? Do you like musicals? Not even Fiddler. Like it's, <laughs> it's so sweet. Like Pete this is, is the dude I want to. I would. For this this is the guy I would talk to at the bar. Oh my god! Like hundred percent. Yes, let's talk about all. Buy me a milk and let's talk about it. This yeah. is great. Um. Okay, so rolling into our lastish scene. So we are at uh, back at the uh, station house. The officers are interrogating Gerard, who begs for his medicine, and Cooper asks if he's if he suffers from schizophrenia, which haloperidol, haloperidol, which I a lot of times in pop culture they um, schizophrenia and multiple personality disorder are sure. mixed up, so I'm not sure what they. Th- I don't think they know about any multiple personality stuff yet. Okay. I think he, he asked that because Heloperidol is a is, is a for schizophrenia. For okay. Schizophrenia. Oh, because I guess they've never seen him like make that right. change. Okay. And they so that's why like when he starts like wait like seizuring and stuff, yeah. they're like, we need to give him this medication. Yeah. And it's just 
through a hunch or whatever that like, mm-hmm. no, I want to see what's going to happen if we don't. Because this is where, and we put a pin in this a couple episodes ago, where you didn't understand without chemicals, he points. Uh-huh. So this needle is full of chemicals, the, the syringe. Mm-hmm. If you take away those chemicals, mm-hmm. he's going to point you in the direction that you need. Ah. This is where that comes in. So it, it, it like he's going to point you in the right direction of what's going on and to the answer. Okay. Because he points to the oh. great... The the Great Northern mm. at the end of this. I see Bob. Where Where is he? He's occupying a human form. Well, I'm sure drop in some quotes. We'll get into this in your description, I'm sure. But he says Bob is a true form. The gray-haired man is a true form. He's inhabiting a body the same way the um, Mike is inhabiting him. Mm-hmm. Him being Philip Gerard, the Wonder Man. Um, where is Bob now? He's in a room with large wooden house lots of rooms they all look the same occupied by different souls Mm -hmm. the great northern so they're off to the great northern so he's pointing them to the great northern gotcha where presumably they're going to find bob gotcha um so that's where that that's the big clue that Mm -hmm. pays off is the without chemicals he points gotcha is, is that so he says his name is mike he's an inhabiting spirit he says that Bob was his familiar and that he cannot reveal where Bob came from. I, I love that concept. That's been, there's lots of essays and stories and stuff written about the familiar and mm-hmm. how it's, it's about the duality of everybody has a familiar. Right. Presumably, maybe Maddie was Laura's familiar, but there's... Well, what's interesting yeah. about this is a familiar tends to be like when you talk about it in like folklore and like more specifically that I mm-hmm. dorkly know about like in D and D, you can have a familiar and like general fantasy stuff. Um, your familiar is usually an animal. It de- like uh, traditionally, and I I don't profess to be a an expert on this. Actually, I have a friend who uh, knows a lot about medieval shit so she's a doctor of medieval studies so yeah, knows a lot about to talk to her yeah i'm gonna record a podcast with her tomorrow tomorrow oh we have to watch not mm-hmm. dawn of the dead but whatever um so i can ask her about that but like yeah i've never heard familiar in lieu of like doppelganger which seems to be like how you're sure. interpreting it and i and that doesn't mean yeah no and that's yeah because generally, so what does it mean for you? Just a, a pet, or a- um, no, it's more than that. It, it's more like a, a spirit guide or like an animal guide. Um, it's an animal that's linked to your soul. Yeah, it's and it's not. I don't see it as much. It's not a doppelganger necessarily. It's it's just a connected, like a kindred spirit kind of. Yeah, they uh- like it's it's the duality of like not the not the like the doppelganger, which is the opposite of a thing, but. It's, you know, I think, I think, like, I, I would say that, like, Laura and Maddie are familiars. Okay. You know, like, they just have this spiritual connection of some sort. Yeah, I, the main purpose of familiars is, is to serve the witch, uh, serve the witch, providing protection for them as they come into their new powers. Um, yeah, it's a thing in Wicca. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I... But it's, but the point is they say, he was my familiar which is a loose term that's open to interpretation. Sure. And that's the beauty of it. So however you interpret that, it gives you the ability to, he was 
you know, he was my partner. He was my, you know, someone I understood or someone who understood me. What, whatever your, your interpretation of that is, it's open, which is the, be- the beautiful thing about using a word like that. Um, okay. So, so, yeah, he says he's his familiar. Um, he can't reveal where Bob came from. He says that Bob is eager for fun and that everyone runs when he smiles. <laughs> Love it. Love that. There's some of the it's writing all in here. very, is, very poetic. And yeah. we'll play on probably this entire monologue. But, right. Um, oh, the Blackhawks advanced to the Stanley Cup, Cup playoffs. Cool. Playoffs? Yeah, they, when they came back, they went right into the playoffs. Oh, I didn't know They that. beat the Oilers, too, which is a, a, kind of a big deal. Um because the Blackhawks aren't that good this year, or weren't they? There was a good chance they weren't making playoffs at all. If well, they didn't do this expanded playoff thing. Their first first string goalie has COVID, so this is true. That'll put a, a hitch in your giddy up. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, but he does. So he there. He's telling him all these things about Bob and mm-hmm. whatever. And the moment, and this is one of my favorite moments in the entire series. Yeah, is when he says. Only, only two people have seen his true form, the gifted, and then turns slightly, looks straight oh. down the barrel of the lens, and says the he says the gifted, turns to camera and the damned, and when he says and the damned, he's looking at you. Yeah, he's looking right. He's looking, at, and I through the darkness of the future past, the magician longs to see one. Chance out between two worlds. Fire, walk with me. But then I saw the face of God. It's not like we just watched Silence of the Lambs again the other day. There's a lot of straight to camera stuff in that. A lot, a lot. Um, and it's used as an unsettling thing, and it's a inside the head thing. It really helps, you know, illustrate certain things like that. But I don't recall this ever being done anywhere else in the series. Straight and to camera. Anything stuff? straight to camera. And and all no, the t- only dis- part I. Bob often does straight to camera shit. Sure. Okay. That's true. That's true. That's true. So, and they're familiars. So that makes sense. But none of the regular characters do. But like, there's something about when he says, and the damned right at you. Yeah. So Bob crawls over the couch, goes Mm -hmm. right into camera. That's true. Um, But yeah, it's, it's terrifying. And his eyes are just like black. Oh my God. It's, it's it's such a good performance. And all of the, the audio work that they do with the like like the reverby it sounds like it's it's it sounds like he's fucking haunted like yeah, it's and, but he's like scary. it's recorded in like a small like 
like uh, tile bathroom where everything is echoing mm-hmm. and it's cranked really, really high so that it's all slightly distorted. Mm-hmm. It's the effect that they put on it is really, really good yeah. and really unsettling. And everyone is just huddled around him and like letting him letting him go. Mm-hmm. Like, just tell us everything. And it's and he because he acknowledges that like I'm not in pain. Mm-hmm. I. But basically, like, I take these drugs to keep this guy from coming out. Right. And it's, it's wonderful. I, this yeah. scene's just fantastic. And this is, like, this, all of this is the stuff everyone loves for the people who love Twin Peaks for mm-hmm. the most part. This isn't, this gets right into the lore, the magical arts, the mm-hmm. surreal stuff. This, you know, everyone loves, that's the shit people enjoy. And right. it's really, really well done. Uh, he talks about parasites and says that Bob needs a host to feed on fear, on fear and the pleasures. Um, together, Cooper and Mike, rec- uh, Cooper and Mike recite the poem. Mike says that he saw God and took off his arm, but remained close to Gerard in order to stop Bob. Because they had the, he had the tattoo, right? That said, Bob. So that's why he took the arm off, right? Um, he says the picture is Bob's true face, but few can see it. Only the gifted and the damned. He says that for the last 40 years, Bob has been in a lodge house in the trees, a house with many similar rooms. A log house, not a lodge house, right? It says lodge, but who knows? Uh, In the trees, a house with many similar rooms, but occupied by different souls every night. Cooper says the Great Northern Hotel. Yeah. That's the end of the episode. And it's all leading up, because what I'm curious about is everyone knew going into the next episode we're going to tell you who killed Laura Palmer. Mm-hmm. You're going to get your answer in the next episode. I do, what I don't know is if audiences knew before this episode aired. Like, do we know that you're setting me up for right where we're going and stuff? But it's yeah this uh, this end scene makes any of the opening Don Maddie stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it ends in such so a high note. This this whole scene is incredible. Yeah, it, this is a an overall. It has some of my favorite characters. You have your introdu- introduction, Gordon Cole. I love any time that um, Philip Gerard is in it. I think he's great. I think he's, he's such a good performer and so good at like doing the two characters without mm-hmm. it being really hokey, which mm-hmm. you which is easy to fall into. And I think I think a little bit like not to knock his performance but I think a little bad is, is just simply tweaking the audio of his voice mm-hmm. yeah um, so he could still play it honestly without having to put on a voice yeah but he he's so calm and methodical with the way Mike talks mm-hmm. and everything's poetic and it's wonderful um okay cool so alright next week for realsies we're gonna find out who killed Laura Palmer sorry if we missed we're that. gonna find out tonight are we going to do it tonight? I thought so. No. It's 8.30. That's what we said. I know, but it's 8.30. It's on Super Bowl just... time. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> okay, uh, then we I will... Need to watch the scariest episode ever right before I go to bed. Oh, okay. So I can sleep well and have great dreams. Perfect. All right. I almost just said I love you to our audience. I do. I love We them. do love and appreciate you. There aren't many of you, so I think individually I love you all. Hmm. Um, Not you. 36? I don't like you. (laughs) Okay. We will talk to you next week. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people, hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Blumke Greif. Our podcast logo is by Foraker Creative. You can follow them at Foraker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chactus. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week.